I'm Dr. Lara Devgan. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City, the CEO of Scientific Beauty, and of course, a major beauty enthusiast. You are listening to Beauty Bosses, where we chat with fellow industry leaders who are shaping beauty, fashion, wellness, and all things pretty. Okay, everyone, I'm so pleased to be here with Philip Burchard, the global CEO of Mertz Pharmaceuticals, um, which, as many of you may know, is the multi-billion dollar international company that's responsible for some of my favorite injectables. So we're going to talk about everything related to injectables and beauty and pharma and more. So thanks for being here. It's a pleasure, Dr. Devgan. We're here... Uh, at the Aesthetic Society meeting, so we've just found some time. You're coming from Germany, right? Yes, correct. Okay, perfect. Um, so I want to start just by learning a little bit more about you. I know that you became the global CEO of Mertz in 2012. Can you just tell us a little bit about um, how that came to be and your journey before then and since then? So I basically have a pharmaceutical background. I've worked in the pharmaceutical industry for my whole professional life, some 25 years. And at the time, I was living in London, and Mertz, which is a a traditional German family-owned company, today still family-owned after 110 years, was looking for a new CEO because they were thinking of refining, readjusting their strategy. And I got to know them, and we got along well, and it was a good fit, good chemistry, and I joined them, and I moved uh, to to Frankfurt, Germany with my family in 2012. Amazing. And just before we go any further... Let's work on the pronunciation of Mertz because my husband speaks German and I have been saying Mers for years. Yes. And last night he said, you have to say it right. It's Mertz and the R is soft. So let me hear a really good pronunciation of... So in German, it would be Mertz. Exactly. Okay. But in English, we do say Mertz because Mertz. it's just okay. the anglicized okay. pronunciation that we use internationally. Okay. So for those of you who are not familiar with the nuances of pharma, Mertz is probably best known for Xeomin, which is a neuromodulating injection that softens facial wrinkles. Um, You also have a bunch of other products that are amazing, um, including Althera, Radius, Belotero, and um, Mederma, a bunch of skin, Neocuta skincare. So why don't we start by talking a little bit about the concept of injectables, because I think that this is a really interesting area. What are the major focuses of your company in terms of putting injectables into the world? Perhaps I should, I should uh, you know, go back a little bit, because when I joined the company, which is now soon six years ago, we were not an aesthetics focused company. At the time, we were, like many family-owned companies, we were a mix of various businesses, and whereas the company started in beauty products uh, a long time ago, it then went into pharmaceuticals, it launched, it was very successful in launching a drug against Alzheimer's disease called Namenda here in the U.S., which was uh, sold with partners, Forrest, later Allergan. 
but then patents started expiring. And when I joined, we had a number of different businesses, and, and aesthetic medicine was one of them. And looking at different options that we had, instead of trying to continue doing neurology, prescription neurology, and uh, prescription dermatology, OTC business that we had, we decided to go for, for aesthetic medicine because we had those injectables. We had Zeomin was already there, Radius was there, we had a license to uh, HA, Belotero, but that was essentially the portfolio at the time. So we started with, with these injectables and then we expanded the, the business by acquiring full rights to Belotero, our HA range. We acquired all therapy, the microfocus ultrasound technology that we have based in, in Arizona here, here in the US, and Neocutis, the, the um, dispense cosmeceuticals. So putting together a portfolio of really complementary uh, products. But I'm not really uh, answering your question. You know, I'm stepping a little back to give a little yeah, bit of perspective no, on the I company. I like it. I think it's good for people so to have some background. So over the last six years, we have been focusing increasingly on these products, bringing them into the portfolio, uh, starting to, to do more clinical trials around them, developing life cycle management, new formulations, new indications, um, focusing R&D on, on aesthetic medicine, essentially, and then also expanding geographically. We were always here in the U.S. We started investing a lot into, you know, U.S. being the, most, the biggest and most important market, but we increased our investments into Brazil, um, into Latin American countries. We opened um, affiliates in all the Asian countries. We were only in Taiwan, South Korea. We went into all the other countries. We created, like, 11 new companies in all the Southeast Asian and countries and in India and in China. And the last, uh, and that we were traditionally quite strong in Europe, but the last affiliate we created like two and a half, three years ago was in Dubai, and that's also been a, a big success. So we're a company in the making. The other priority we have is, is the same toxin zeomin in um, movement disorders post-stroke spasticity, dystonia, so working with neurologists that treat muscle disorders on the medical neurology side. So, so that's is, the other arm of the Is of Mertz planning to stay broad, or are you planning to refocus on aesthetic medicine? So we have, that focus has been ongoing and is continuing. So we had a number of other businesses that were that had been created historically, that we that we stopped or sold. We had a um, medical um, a, a prescription dermatology business here in the U.S. that we sold. We had a dental implant business that we sold. We had a writing accessories that we sold. So we sold a lot of these businesses and reinvested that money into aesthetic into aesthetic medicine. So we do see today aesthetic medicine as as our number one focus where we want to grow and we're putting a lot of effort to to you know continue establishing ourselves in, in this in this business and the first thing we did is put together quite a comprehensive portfolio good portfolio products that work very nicely separately but also can be used in conjunction for better outcomes for the for the the patients okay that's very interesting so on the topic of um, Mertz as a company, it's an interesting company because for a very for a very large company it's still family owned and it's relatively small compared to some of the major market competitors yes. like Allergan and Nestle Galderma. Yes. Um, so how does it impact day-to-day -day business decisions for you to be a privately held company and a small family owned company? So I would say it is a it's, it is a different atmosphere, environment, and context, because as a private company, we don't have, uh, we're not listed on any stock exchange, we don't have a share price. So how the share price is doing, and whether the share price is high or low for us is not, 
an issue. And uh, uh, we do have our shareholders, which is a family that has owned this company 110 years, now in the fourth generation. And I'm, I work especially with, with a, um, a reduced number of those shareholders that are my governance body, like my board of directors. And with them, we develop all the strategies. I get my approvals. I inform them. And we discuss um, how the business is evolving and where the business is going to go. But we do not... But we do not um, th this is not a short-term effort, but rather something more for the longer haul. They want to increase the value of the company longer term and not uh, for the short term. So we do not have to react to any stock market movements. And that is a big, uh, big relief for us uh, because we can be more, um, you know, have more continuity for the, for the longer term. As a privately held family-owned company, I know that much of the inner workings of the company are confidential, but can you share a little bit about the financial growth of the company over time. I was reading that currently revenue for Mertz is about $1.8 billion a year, which is amazing, particularly because it's privately held. But um, are you at liberty to talk about how the company has grown over time? Yes, I can talk a little bit about that. So the co over the last years, the company has been around 1 billion euro. And um, those sales have been more or less stable. But within that, we had a strong double-digit, very strong growth of the aesthetics and neurotoxin business. And at the same time, our Alzheimer's business that I talked about earlier was, in a, was decreasing very rapidly because of the patent expiry. So we're basically shifting the sales, the whole business of the company onto aesthetics, uh, onto aesthetics and aesthetic medicine. I expect that we will continue growing double-digit quite nicely in, in this very dynamic market. Uh, but I see a lot of expansion and growth opportunity in the U.S., in emerging markets, um, in you know countries like Brazil and uh, um, in China that we're trying to enter more strongly as well, where we have a, a bright future. So I think this is going to be. Um, this is going to be a very nice development for the company over the next years. Yeah. A lot of our American listeners are probably most familiar with Mertz in the context of the recent Christy Brinkley Xeomin campaign. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. Was it a big decision for a small privately held company to engage a major American celebrity yes, yes. as a spokesperson? Yes, it was. We, have been, we had been talking about this for a while. Uh, over the years, but it was only more recently when uh, Bob Rattigan, our new CEO of North America, has been with us since uh, um, since April of last year, when he joined us, and you know we put together a new marketing team, uh, sales and marketing team. With that new team, we actually managed to win Chrissy Brinkley for us. And whereas we were a bit wary of where this is going to take us because it's a bit of an experiment, it turned out to be a very positive experience for us and hopefully also for Chrissy Brinkley because her whole personality, her approach to, to you know, fitness and living a healthy life and eating well and, and you know, enjoying fashion, but also enjoying herself in principle as well, was a very positive um, was a very positive endorsement that she then could give to our products because she she kind of revealed that she's using Otherapy and Zeomin, the two products that she's talking about. So it's been it's been an amazing experience for us. Yeah, I loved her message at. Um, Philip and I were at a reception last night where um, Christy spoke, and I loved what she said last night, which was, it's okay to want to look and feel your best. It's yes. okay to spend a little bit of time on yourself, yes. if you're a woman or a man, yes. um, really at any stage in your life. So 
on that topic a little bit, why do you think injectables are so stigmatized? If you're, if you're, if you're an um, American or really a citizen of the world and you want to have, you know, you want to visit your dermatologist or plastic surgeon and have a little intervention and feel a little bit better, it's something that is still so, so stigmatized that there's a lot of pressure to keep it private. It is stigmatized, but this is also changing a lot. So alone the time that I've been with a company, I've seen a lot of a lot of change and increasing acceptance of, of the treatments because one of the reasons perhaps for the stigmatization is that in the past, patients or consumers that use these products were, it was very evident. You could see it very quickly. They were overdone. It looked artificial. They were completely frozen with a toxin or they had too much HA filler in the cheeks and the lips. I think that physicians have come a very long way to to today enable patients to have treatments where you basically don't see that they are having, that they have had a treatment. They just look a better version of themselves. And even if they have some wrinkles that are coming, it still all looks smoother and a bit nicer and a little bit more friendly. And I think it's it's has to do a lot with education, communication, and the, the fact that, that physicians such as you are so able to use multi-modalities to get very natural outcomes. And that is something that is increasingly resonating with, with the public. So, so um, the patients, especially women, do realize that they can have treatments without people realizing that they are having treatments, you know, so they actually can go to the treatment and even tell their husband, he just look, thinks she looks refreshed, you know. Yeah. The, ideally, they will talk to her, him about it, but if they don't really want to, they don't have to tell anyone that they're having a treatment. At the same time, someone like Christy Brinkley, that she actually um, tells openly the, to the public that she's using uh, therapy and, and Zoomin on, on a regular basis, is very positive because people will say, if she, she looks great, she looks very natural, she doesn't look very treated at all. If she can do this and she can talk about it, I can do it as well. So little by little, this, this attitude and this perception is changing, and I think this is going to develop further in the next years. Yeah, and you know, I think it's interesting because... Obviously, I'm a plastic surgeon and a woman um, myself, and I think about these topics a lot. And you know, <laughs> um, we never we never want um, that was a little beverage slurping. Sorry for the interlude. Um, we we never want patients to feel like a different person. We always want them to feel like a better version of themselves. But at the same time. For so long, there has been this idea that caring about your looks and caring about your brain is a zero-sum game, that if you were a woman of substance or a man of substance, you couldn't possibly want the wrinkles on your face to be a little bit smoother because you'd, you'd be busy doing something a little bit more important. And I feel like now there's been a little bit of a change in the zeitgeist where people feel like, you know, it's okay. You comb your hair a certain way, you work on your abs at the gym, and maybe you want your face to look a little bit better. Exactly. What do you think so about that? So absolutely. I, was actually, I had an interesting experience the other day. I had a, a group of professional women. Uh, they were all like bankers and lawyers and all that, and, and, and university uh, people. And I, I talked together with a physician about aesthetic medicine, the benefits of aesthetic medicine. And we had, this very, we had these two camps. We had the camp that said, it's okay to do it. You know, you're doing all these other things. You're staying fit. You're, we're living longer. We're working longer. We're doing the hair, the teeth, uh, everything else. It, it's okay to do something about your facial appearance. And there was another group that was very, 
skeptical and said, no, this is artificial, you shouldn't change your, your wrinkles, you shouldn't intervene, you should let the, the, uh, the age just come by and, and show itself. But in the end, I think that the, resist, the resisting group were still quite intrigued by this debate. And actually, a number of them then asked for the, uh, the address of the, of the physician that we had with us uh, after. So after all, perhaps you should have another talk what we could eventually do. Because they slowly start realizing that it's not, it's not a bad thing. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not going to be seen as negative to be treated uh, aesthetically. Yeah. So what do you think? Is it, what do you think of how the trend is going to go? You know, you see it in your patients. Is there increased yeah, acceptance? Yeah, I think there's a lot society? of it. I think there's a lot of increased acceptance. And I think that in my practice, I've noticed that, you know, a, a lot of what has happened in the past 20 years is the overuse and heavy handedness with some of these products gave them a little bit of a bad name. Yes. And now the, the medical profession as a whole is improving and elevating its techniques. Yes. So that as you were saying before, if you're able to deliver someone a natural looking result in a safe and medically responsible manner, then I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yes. You know, I've wrestled with this. You have children, right? Yes, I do. And do you have a daughter? No, two boys. Oh, you have two boys. Okay. I have a little girl and I have wrestled with this idea because I, you know, I think it's actually the same for boys too, but you don't want your kids to grow up in a world where they look in the mirror and see their insecurities and feel like they have to do something about yes. them. Yes. Um, so I think there's always going to be a little bit of attention there, right. but at the same time, you know, as an adult, I, you know, I want to make an effort to put my best foot forward every morning. And then there's very practical circumstances. I talked to a television presenter the other day, a very good-looking lady, who turned 60. And she said, great, I turned 60, but my contract, I'm so popular, my contract was extended. However, if I hadn't done very discreet little interventions in my, in my face, by getting treatment from a very good physician, I probably, my contract probably would not have been extended. So there's some, you know, politicians, um, uh, of course, since always actors, people that appear a lot, but you know, we're all living longer. We want to maintain to be good versions of ourselves. And also some of us, including me, spent a lot of time in the sun when we were younger. And uh, you know, my mother put a lot of uh, uh, um, sun protection on me, but God knows what wasn't that sun protection. So we all paid the price for that as well. So there's a whole generation that also from that side needs, needs some aesthetic uh, um, help to overcome those, those challenges. So. Yeah. Are you guys thinking about the male market at all? Because I notice in your language you revert to a, you know, a woman, and certainly women make up the majority of the beauty market. But um, do you think about male patients? Yes, we do. We do, and the share of male patients is growing in the market, depending where you are. It's between five, ten, fifteen percent. Uh, and there are some treatments that you know, toxin. Of course, zoomin is is good for all of them, but. A product uh, um, that we have, radius, uh, uh, calcium hydroxylapatite, is particularly good for men to, to, you know, for contouring of the, of the, you know, the defining the facial contours, the jawline. Um, not approved in all countries yet, but on the way. So there is a specific, there's a specific targeting of the male market by physicians, and we see increased, increased male participation. You know market share in, in the physician's practice. But that's very much the physicians working, doing that, you know. So also for men, this is becoming more and more acceptable. Yeah. What do you say to someone who's not familiar with this world at all, who says, why would you want to put botulinum toxin in your face? That's 
poison. It's yes. a toxin. Yes. We even call it toxin when yes. we're talking about it. Yes. You know, what, what's your, as a company, Well, my approach answer? is my approach is to, is to say, well, let's forget the product for a moment. Why don't you go to the, the plastic surgeon or dermatologist of your trust and ask him or her, what are the options, what could potentially be done for you? You know, in terms of your appearance, what are, what are the features or irregularities or signs of aging that you that you have that you want to work on, or the things that you want to prevent, and just get a consultation and ask what could be done, and then perhaps you do a little intervention of, of some kind. Uh, and the the using a botulinum toxin, one of the statements we can do there is that the quantities we're using are so minute that uh, it is, it, whether it's a poison or not, doesn't really play that much of a role, is how it's used in the hands of a, of a specialist who really knows what, what to do. Uh, you're gonna use units in the tens and the forehead for aesthetic purposes. In the other area where we are um, in, in uh, post-stroke specificity, it's in the, in the hundreds, you know, you'll go up to several hundred units. So the quantities are really very minute and in the hands of a good physician, this can work miracles. Right. So I'm, I'm encouraging them to try. And, and if it that they go to the, the physician and just do, just do some, you know, superficial cosmetic treatment, they'll do a little peeling, a little bit of, uh, you know, recommendation, what skincare to use, and, you know, you win them a little bit, little by little you win them over to gain some confidence because there's some reluctance to go for injectable. If that's the case, they absolutely hate the injectables. You can, you can try and start with all therapy. It's non-invasive, microfocus ultrasound. And as it's, it's putting energy under your skin through these little heat points, you know, um, uh, it, it, it's the, the body's own collagen that will, will be recreated around those little, uh, 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 you know, heat points. And it's, it's therefore a very natural, very slow development of, of uh, the, the, the benefits of the product. So nobody will ever say uh, to a patient that was treated with a therapy, you've been, tre you've been treated or over-treated because it's not possible. You know, it's the mm -hmm. body's own re repair mechanism. So sometimes something non-invasive like this is a good entry for a patient um, to give a first try. Yeah. And what do you say to critics who say that instead of spending all of this R&D money and time and effort and resources selling aesthetics, we should be selling body positivity and body acceptance and making media standards more realistic and kind of taking everything out of the aesthetic medicine space. You do, they, they do have a point. I get that, you know, and I, there is, um, if you see in photography or, or actors and actresses, there is old actors and actresses covered with wrinkles and they're absolutely beautiful, you know, I love those faces. Uh, or you go to the countryside, to the Caucasus, and there's people that are 100 years old, and they're just big wrinkles, and they're absolutely beautiful. I get that, but it's all a matter of your own beliefs, needs, and, and perception of yourself. And I just know that you, if you, for certain patients, certain people, you do tiny little interventions on their face, they'll look into the mirror and they'll feel very good about it. And I experienced this myself. I tried all our products ourselves. I told the doctor, use very small quantities, please. But the results I've seen were amazing because, and it's perhaps results only I really did see, but I, 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 that feedback from the mirror on me was very positive. So I think there's a lot of power in that. And that's undeniable. Um, if you I see, yeah. Right, do you agree, really do you agree with me? Yeah, I do. Sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go no, ahead, no please. No, no problem. No, because I, 
you, you, everybody knows the situation, and I have a bit of a trained eye now as well through the physicians. You look at someone and you say, well, there's something I would definitely do with this patient. And I know if I would take this particular big wrinkle that appears here on the cheek, she would look so much better. And if, and if I wouldn't do anything else, just that, you know, with a little bit of filler superficially, she would look wonderful and it'll do her good. And that's very powerful because everybody reacts to their face and nobody's in the end really very happy to see himself or herself aging in the mirror every morning you know so there i think that discrete interventions and today with the the capabilities of the physicians and the new modalities that we have um there's that can all be done in a very uh, uh, discreet way, you know, so you don't yeah. see that. I love that you've tried all these products because I think that um, I think that that's very important. Yes. I think it adds a lot of credibility. Yes. Um, so well, I also when I never when I started this, I imagined that you know, injecting a needle into your face. I, I wondered how come the patients that get treated on these live demos they never react. Well, they never react because it's it's really not painful there's very little pain involved yeah. and when it's done cleverly and there's lidocaine in it and you do some little bit of pre-treatment sometimes it's not a painful uh, um, therapy so is that sort of your style as a ceo where you want to really understand everything about the market that you're working on i think that is very important i, I spend a lot of time of course like all ceos in in offices, meeting rooms, looking at PowerPoint presentations and numbers, but being here at the, the plastic surgery conference here in New York and talking to the physicians such, such as you and your colleagues for me is worth gold because it, when I'm back in my office looking at numbers and strategic planning, I know I get a better feeling of what our customers, you, what your intentions, expectations are, and in the end we want to you know, we need to. We want to make you successful because your success is our success. It's only when you're successful that we will be satisfied in our endeavor. And of course, in the in the, in the back of all our minds is always the patient, the, the well-being of the patient, the happiness of the patient. But you, as a physician, need to be successful with with what we're offering to you. So that's something I learn here, uh, very much. Um, yeah. at such a conference and talking to you. And so you're obviously very successful, and Mertz is on the rise and doing very well, um, and becoming an increasingly strong company. But one thing that our listeners always want to hear about is the bad, not the good. So what are some of the biggest challenges that you have faced, either personally or professionally? Not everything always goes according to plan. You have setbacks. We're talking about R&D. We're talking about manufacturing. We're talking about markets that go up and down. So of course, things go well. And then you have setbacks. But overall, this is a market that is developing very positively. And the overall trend is today and will be in future uh, very good for us and for, for many companies that were professionally in this, in this uh, aesthetic medicine segment. So I, I do see a very bright future for, for all of us. There's an immense amount of, of patience still to be won, as we discussed. So there's space for expansion of this market. And we all have to work together to make sure that our patients love being treated by plastic surgeons and, and dermatologists with our products. So I think there's with this common objective that we all have to work on. Did you ever have any professional, very dark days when you felt like, I'm going to throw in the towel? Not really. We have, I have had, uh, you know, R&D projects that didn't work out. You spent a lot of money. You waited a number of years. It didn't work. That's the price of R&D. Products fail in R&D. Um, I've had, uh, you know, currency devaluations in countries. I had, I've had, we've had manufacturing products, uh, manufacturing issues that were all resolved. But that's normal course of business. There's no, you cannot run a business without 
occasionally having a crisis. And more crises, more challenges will come for us, for others, and for this whole market. You know, we have had competitors that were very strong. Uh, some appeared and disappeared miraculously. You know, some, some companies appeared there saying we're going to be a major force in aesthetic medicine. We felt a bit threatened. But next thing we know, they implode. You know, so then you have a bit of a breathing space. So I think that overall, if you have the, the right um, attitude in your teams and you have like, you know, a winning spirit and a commitment and a dedication of, of very strong people and you're able to work with your customers very closely, such as, you know, we try, like, like people like you, then you can have a, a good alliance for the success of everybody. And that's something we're going to continue experiencing in this market, I think. We need innovation. We need new products. There's not a lot of clear bigger innovation coming in this aesthetic medicine market. You know, sometimes I feel our products are getting a little bit old overall, and we need to make sure that together with physicians, we continue developing new concepts, new approaches. Some of them re then require very large clinical trials to pass FDA standards, but this is something we have to appeal, we have to swallow and, and engage in that because we need uh, new, new approaches, new products in this market as well, and that's gonna keep us growing, so. Okay, do you have any advice just personally to young people who are maybe in business school or right out of business school who want to be a C-level executive and you know they want to run a major billion dollar company yes. how do you, how do they get from you know the MBA to that point you know one an important thing is to trust yourself know yourself and trust know your strengths and know also your weaknesses and and believe in yourself and out of self confidence in and having an idea which, you, which you're going to do and putting this into place, there's a lot of strength that comes out of that. And then if you then point to a direction, you'll have followers and people that will work with you. And uh, I, I always believe in working very, you know, I'm, I'm a believer in working very closely to people. And I, I love working in teams. I love empowering teams. I love working in teams. And at times I'm the CEO, but I'm just like everybody else. You know, I'm, I'm a member of the team and I don't put myself above the others. So that for me also has been a, um, a success factor. So between these two things, I think you can build your career. Good. And then that, our last question for all of the guests on my podcast is, you know, this is beauty bosses. So we want to know what beauty means to you and what being a boss means to you. Well, beauty means for me, uh, beauty is, a, is, is your own perception of what makes you happy, you know, and that can be little things, big things. It can be aesthetic beauty. It can be inner beauty. It can be music. It can be anything. It's something uh, that makes worth life, uh, makes life worth living. Um, and what's your other question? What makes... Uh, what, is, what does being a boss mean to you? A boss means for me being, having a lot of responsibility to, to, to others. Uh, of course, also my, to my family, but to the people I'm, I'm in charge of. Merch has some 3,000 employees. I feel personally in charge of their, their, their well-being. It also, also means I'm the ultimate responsible for everything the company does, everything we do with our customers. You know, that's key. Um, I'm, the, I'm the, the, the key salesman of the company is me. You know, I have to make you, Dr. Devgan, happy in your practice. It's a, it's a responsibility I assume every day, and I want everybody else to do this as well. But then when you're successful in, in, in doing this in a team and with a, with a company of 3,000 people, that's the ultimate satisfaction that, that a boss can have. And then I see the company moving forward, our shareholders happy, and we're continuing on this uh, you know, amazing path. 
Well, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure and honor to speak with you. And I can't wait to hear more great things that you and Mertz are doing. And um, we'll definitely keep our eye out. Thank you, Dr. Devgan. Okay. It's a pleasure. Thank you.